Hello and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Sox. And I'm Lori Sox. It is Valentine's week and we just had a few things we wanted to talk about. Right off the bat, Liam is in a new school and they're having a very um, simple celebration of the day and simplicity was encouraged. So I sat down with Liam and I did this great project and I think it's the first year that it was equal amounts of work and it has nothing to do with Liam's ability. It was, it was me deciding that I was going to meet Liam and we were going to do something together. You say equal amount of work that both of you are doing the equal amount of work. You're saying in yes. the past, in the past I would do it all just got like, it. and I don't know if it was, um, more time constraint or because of what I had decided to create or for whatever reason, I would just do, but I did it for Sophia too. I just like make their Valentines and that was it. And I just enjoyed that. I picked out stickers and I said, we're going to make something. And first of all, their classroom is such a smaller, there's 21 students per class, which is such a great thing about the school. It is an inclusive school. It is an inclusive classroom, an inclusive model. So 21 seemed like a number that was easier to do than 35 or 40, which is the numbers that we had in the past. So I sat down. I let Liam pick what colors he wanted the hearts to be. We did a rainbow assortment of colors just in the vein of inclusion that everybody's heart can be whatever color they want it to be. And so Liam picked out the colors. I cut the hearts. Uh, He put the tape on and then taped the sticker on there for everyone. And this time I was able to, if that sticker wasn't smack dab in the middle, to just let it go and embrace the moment. And that was a big step for me. I'd like to get where you're, where you were and, and are, Uh, I'm getting there too. But what I'm seeing is, um, again, the school, I'm learning from the school. I can see the time they're taking with Liam in certain aspects and honestly, after our IEP with them, they had a, we had a 30-day IEP, um, it, it, it made me feel like I, I'm going to learn something from these people because they're, they're doing it right. They're doing what we want to be done. Right. On a technical matter, we did transition into this new school. We had just had that horrible IEP that I don't even know if we discussed the entire thing, uh, but where we were told that they weren't really interested in upholding Liam's right to an education. And so we transferred to this school. Their mission, their inclusion model, when I read it, I loved it. When they spoke it, I even more loved it. And they've lived up to it. The thing is, is we were looking for schools and we were told by our lawyer that there is no program really out there, no inclusive program to really transition into that supports the education of our son. The specifics of Down syndrome, right? The specifics I mean, there was, of Down there syndrome. There were options if he had had... If he had had autism, there there might have been a different placement that there's out there. But really, when we were looking at schools, because there's testing, and that was heartbreaking. That was heartbreaking when we were, we were told that there's really no placement 
for our son because he has Down syndrome. And that is really what we experienced the whole time at this public school. And when we say no placement, you know, the law is that they're to educate your child. And if they can't provide the supports to educate your child and provide an education for your child, then they have to provide an education somehow, which a lot of times and what we see across the board is our friends leaving the school because now they're going to a different school that can provide that education. And it's usually paid for by the district. Yeah, often it's a private school that in the negotiation of things, the giant LAUSD district does this. They have the funds to pay for a school that can educate your child, Right, which is frustrating because what the machine does is doesn't educate your child. The people who fight for it know to fight, have the ability to fight, the means to fight. They're the ones whose children will oftentimes then, because they fought so hard, instead of taking the money that they should have taken to actually provide the supports to create an inclusive environment and educate children equally, that money instead goes to paying for somebody's education because they didn't provide the education all along, and now they have to provide an alternate placement that is appropriate. And it takes that child out of the school. That's, that's, it takes the child that's out the of worst the school. part to me. A lot of times the environment may be inclusive, yeah, right? Yeah, and it could be a really great option for the child, but that's what our public school system should be. It right. shouldn't just be anybody who can afford an attorney and go through all this process and years of debating back and forth to finally go, good, I got my kid out of the public school system into the in our private school that's fitting. Let's have the public school fit people. We can't be okay with it just educating this one level, this typical idea that we have of a student. The public school system of all of them should be the one that educates all students and helps all abilities. Right. So we were fortunate to find this school for there to be an opening, uh, I think, that was available because of the pandemic. And then Liam will transition into the middle school that has the same model, which is amazing to us. It's just such a, a relief. So he's in this wonderful school, but after 30 days, there is an IEP to be held that should be held at the new school. So if you do transition to another school and this IEP, the purpose of this IEP is to look at what's in your already living, breathing document, your IEP that came into the school, discuss what works, discuss what doesn't work. And that's exactly what this was. It's a transition IEP. Now I want to tell you that I actually went into the IEP. I, I don't know if it was hopeful, but it was open and had many conversations with the team along the way that we were going to be open, but some things being discussed, we do have um, triggers that make us feel and Most doubt definitely. and fear. And what was great is the school was open to discussing that. They were very supportive and saying that they've seen this before. They know that this happens. And it was just great all around. Um, I feel like the way they treat Liam in certain ways where he may have to get past something like we saw it one day where he he just wasn't making the transition and they took so much patience with with him I felt like they had that patience with us knowing where we came from to say listen I'm gonna put this all there and I'm gonna tell you what's going on that's how because, they talk too because they <laughs> they wanted to protect us they wanted to make it that's it's just in their their mind how they function so it's equality they were helping us the way they help their students they were saying listen we know you you're triggered by some of the stuff let me I'm going to tell you this, but then let me explain, you know, why I don't want to overburden you or, and it was just, I just thought it was beautiful. 
Yeah, it's supposed to be a team. And people have told me this all so many times, but this was the first experience where I saw that it is supposed to be a team. And that is a possibility. It is out there. And going into it, I'm going to be honest, I was so overwhelmed. I was just like, I just, I want to be at a place where I'm not fearing. I want to be in a place where I can trust that someone is going to do their job, that a school is going to educate my son. And I just, I wanted to go into this new school without, a, I was just like, I just, I just don't want to have to have a lawyer anymore. Mm-hmm. And Stephen was so good with just saying, that's right. But this is, you know, honestly, because it's, it's carry over from what we've been through. And we need this for a lot of the complaints that we're going to file. There has to be that continuity, but it still was having somebody there and it, it was really fabulous because for the first time, I think that is how it's supposed to be. She, Georgiana was there. She she asked what our concerns were. She made sure our voice was heard. She checked, you know, things that were our concerns. She brought them up. So there was still that level of... Making sure we had everything right and, organized. And, and a part mm-hmm. of the other school, there was such a challenge with that dichotomy of relationship where you're trying to have this relationship with the school. Now that environment was very hostile. And I think that's why the transition was so hard where we would donate time and volunteer and stuff, but then have these horrible, these horribly abusive IEPs. And that's, I think that was the dichotomy. Whereas I felt like this was such a great environment. They said an hour and a half, it may have been an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. And multiple times our attorney Georgiana thanked the the rest of the team. Never has that happened before. That is, and I think it was good for all of us because Georgiana has been on this journey with us since kindergarten. She's fought alongside us. She's fought for us since kindergarten for Liam to have a placement in the classroom. And I understand now why people will just say, why, why does that have to happen? Because now we're in a situation where she didn't have to fight. She just sat with us, made sure our questions were answered, made sure Liam had what he needed. And it was really fantastic. So I want to say that if you are still having those IEPs, if you're still in a situation that we just came from, just the importance of documenting, of communicating, of reading the IEP, making the notes, putting it in the concerns, definitely checking your district's website. There is a place on most of them where you can actually just go on the website. If you cannot afford an attorney, there should be a place either on the main website or under the special education where you can file a complaint. So if they are violating your IEP, if they're not upholding it, if they're doing, I know, I know it can feel so overwhelming. I get it. I absolutely get it. Take time in your schedule. Just say like this, I'm going to give 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it is, and pull up that form and fill it out and file a complaint. And if you have to file a complaint for everything, just get it on record and let them be accountable. Because I think what happens is they're not accountable because we don't take the time because we don't have the time. But when you, I was told by someone recently that it's amazing how things happen once that form is filled out. 
amazingly, speech hours become available because they're made to be accountable because at the basis of it, it is the law. It is the law. And they're hoping you will forget that. They're hoping they can just make you too tired to fill out that form. And if you're having trouble with that, shoot me an email. (laughs) I will help you in whatever way I can, even if it's just a form letter. And just say, hey, this school is violating, uh, they violated my timeline. They denied me an IEP this year. They're not providing the service hours that are supposed to be there. Ask for your service records. You are entitled to service records. Ask for them in writing and they have to provide the service records. And if on those service records, you see they're not providing the services for your child, zip a letter into the district, into the special ed department of the district and start holding them accountable because I think that is what needs to happen because they need to be held accountable and your voice to be heard because I feel like I know a lot of this journey, I felt like my voice wasn't there or wasn't heard or was silenced. I mean, with a principal telling me, don't tell anybody we don't have a placement for your child because we don't want eyes on this. I wanted to throw up because that is the equivalent to an adult telling a child, don't tell your parents. And that is like a red flag that I tell both of my kids. If anybody ever speaks these words to you, they're doing something wrong. And oh my goodness, right? Okay, so we're, we're going to move on from that. But what I want to say is this IEP was amazing. It was a team they actually sent me the stuff, I, the things that we asked for, we're going to record. Can we have the reports ahead of time? He gave me a draft of the IEP, said, look it over. And we were able to look it over and go in with questions and it zip, zip, zip. Everybody spoke. I could, we could ask questions and everybody was respectful of each other's time. It, just from the way they brought up the document, everything. It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. It is out there. It is out there, and I'm hoping that in the evolution of humanity that this will become the norm. And I say that because this should be the norm. And I think it needs to be discussed. I went into a place of business where some people that I absolutely adore are, and we were talking, and they mentioned that they had seen that our son was at a different school. And they're familiar with this school because of this inclusion model. So the conversation um, that I got kind of sucked into was basically, oh, I see this. And then it quickly shifted to, so do you believe that the public school system, because it's very cookie cutter and it's really cut out to support a certain student properly, this was the terminology used, do you feel like the public school system needs to support children who need more and, and children like your son. Or, or there should be a special place or for them. Or there should be another, the thought? these specialized. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh. you know, this is in my brain. I'm thinking, what? <laughs> this is what we have fought for for eight years. And this isn't a private school. Liam's new school. Liam's new school, school is not right. a private school. No. This is a public charter that you can lottery into if you're not in their district. So immediately inside, I took pause because the transition from what I what we fought for eight years into what we have now and seeing what 
is before us. That was a tough transition more for me than Stephen. I think Stephen is so fortunate that he is just like present and just, he's like, I'm done. I'm out of there. (laughs) I don't even think about him anymore. And sometimes it lingers with me because it was... It was traumatic. It was traumatic. So I'm sitting there talking to this person that I actually love and uh, realizing that this person that I love is in the same boat that sees it as extra to educate my son with everyone and does not see their lack of inclusion. They, they don't see it as lack of inclusion. They see it as, yeah, but teachers get paid $70,000 a year and, and should they actually be made to educate kids who need extra help? And like when you buy a car, when you do anything, when you order a sub at Subway or a Chipotle bowl, there's like a bowl of rice. Do you want white or brown? Do you want like, it's not options. It's options. It's not extra. It's what do you need? But when you talk about a company, they're there to include everyone because they want everyone's business. Well, a public school should want everyone's business. (laughs) I mean, because it's their business to take care of everyone in their district individualized educations for everyone. That's the way it should be built. And that's the way our society should be. So I think the mentality that we're seeing from someone we totally love here is a mentality that I kind of thought was only really the mentality of the district, of the school district. But I think it's a it's a population of our society that just just thinks this because they probably don't have someone in their life that they think needs a lot of help, but everyone needs an individualized education plan. But that's the thing. Everybody receives an individualized, but they individualize it themselves. If you do not have the ability to individualize it yourself, and it goes to the the school or the teacher to individualize it for you, that's the only difference is there's a, there's supposed to be a meeting and it's, it's the law and it's supposed to be a meeting where people go, Hey, you know what? Sophia's having a hard time understanding multiplication. How can we support her? Sophia didn't have an IEP for that, but the teacher was like, she's having a really hard time. What can we do? And we did it. Liam, there had to be a meeting. There had to be a lawyer. There had to be all of these things. So to me, it's that segregation and isolation of our children just because there is a diagnosis. That's discrimination, first of all, right off the bat, that it should be looked at as any different from any other child's need or approach or need for support or whatever it is. For So for our children who have, I hope they have an IEP, but I realize that some schools will try to not give your child an IEP because it's a legal binding document. So if they're ever fighting and saying your child doesn't need an IEP, your diagnosis, they can't argue it. Your child gets an IEP because of the diagnosis of Down syndrome. And there are other diagnoses as well. But that is why also the district will oftentimes fight you on getting assessments because if they have an assessment that then gives your child a diagnosis that falls underneath, then they have to do an IEP. Now, this should not be a big deal. By the way, this should not be an argument. It should just be your child needs an IEP. Let's do this. It's because it's a legal binding document and it's because they violate the hell out of them that they try not to do it. In my opinion, in what I have seen, that is why that gets done. So if they're fighting you, it's so they can't be held accountable. If they're trying to have conversations with you instead of putting it in writing, it's so they can't be held accountable. And it's just garbage. 
it's just, it shouldn't be this much work for us. It really shouldn't be this much work for us. It's not work for your child. Like, it's, it wasn't work for our daughter. For instance, Sophia was having some issues in math. She just needed a little help. I was trying to help her with the math. But you're dad, and that's different. Yeah, and she was a little shy of going to her teacher and really asking for the help. Not sure what reaction she would get. And when she did go up and ask the teacher, the teacher was like, oh, and tried to explain it to her and said, you know, what about this weekend? We have a Zoom session and we talk about it. She took an hour on a Sunday to talk to Sophia. That's what a teacher does. And talk about what a great relationship they would have. I would assume they're going to have a good relationship now and they're going to be able, Sophia's going to feel very open to asking questions and the teacher's going to understand too, oh, this child needs this. Or let me keep but it's an eye because out. she asked for help. Like I had, yes, I, that's I instructed yes. her too because you know you first talk to the teacher and you say this is the challenge, and actually even one step more is she did reach out after school on Friday and say, "I'm having trouble. Can you help me?" The teacher not only talked to her Sunday, she talked to her Friday, worked with her for like an hour. Again, this is a public school. Worked with her for an hour, and when she saw what was actually happening. She said, you know what? Let's meet on Sunday. We'll do a Zoom so I can walk you through and help you. And she did. So going back to the conversation that I had on Friday afternoon, there was this whole argument that the public school system shouldn't have to work harder to bridge the gap, that it was it was okay what they were able to do. It's the idea that our kids are a burden is how I feel. It's to- It's totally that. It's... They wanted me to explain why public school is a place for our kids. And one thing I have learned in these 12 years, almost 12 years of having Liam on this planet, is I don't have to explain. I don't have to explain to you my child's right to be here. My child is here. I don't have to validate it. I don't have to make it okay for you. If it's not okay for you, I'm going to say what my daughter would say. That sounds like a you problem. It's not my problem that you don't think my child belongs in the classroom with your child. That is your problem. And that is where the problem lies. You are creating the problem by thinking that having differences in the classroom takes away from your child, causes more work for the teacher. And I pointed out that there are, and not just this great school that I keep like bragging on. There are pockets. You always hear these stories about these great teachers who support kids, whatever their difference is. They just do it because they're teachers, because that was their passion, because that's what they want to do. They just do it because that is their job. That is the job. Now, we had teachers at this other school that had been around for 35 years. That wasn't their job at the time. So I can understand them getting pretty ticked off that now my job includes doing all this other stuff too. The truth, they weren't prepared for that because they weren't trained for that. That was extra. That was a specialty. So I get that. But that's not today. That's not today. And that exclusion model helps no one. It is really the root of so many problems. It needs to be in the past. It needs to be further in the past than it is now. It needs to not be something that people just go, yeah, but why? And I mentioned that there are these people that do it. So it's not like this anomaly. It's not like educating a child that has a learning difference is like a uni- finding a unicorn. It's not like finding this unicorn because this one special person. No, it's not. 
And I pointed out there are people and he, and he was like, okay, well, these little gems that you find. So maybe these are the kind of places that they should cultivate. And I'm like, these aren't gems. These are just like a teacher in a school or somebody who creates a school that says, wow, we need to be inclusive that they just do it, that they're just doing it because just like we're doing it, right? We are all doing it. We are uh, bridging the gap. We are supporting our children. We are advocating for their rights. We are doing it. So other people who also see the lack, not just because a child might have Down syndrome, but for any learning difference, for any kind of uh, socio-economical um, underserviced, they see that everybody is equal and not everybody is treated as equal. And everybody has a place, but not everybody is given a place. So that's where these like golden unicorns are coming from, but it's not unattainable. It should be the norm. It should be. But they wanted me to explain why. And just saying it, I have this reaction because it was a real question from someone I see as very loving. So it wasn't some like closed-minded monster from the school district who is trying to tell me that my child needs to be someplace else. This was somebody I love asking me if I really felt that my child needed to have a place in public school. That can be such a tiring conversation. You really have to judge when that happens because it's <laughs> going to happen from family, friends, even strangers. You have to judge if it's if it's worth talking or what do you what do? What is that though? Like that question, like, and, and not even seeing it as like, do you hear yourself? No. Do you hear the question you're asking? Because... You know, it's that mindset that is at the basis of every form of segregation. Yeah. Not thinking that that somebody has a place, everybody has a place. Oh, yeah. Race, uh, culture, sex, gender. Um, everybody I has think a so place. so many people don't have a connection, and so they don't have to think about it. It's a judgment that inclusion is extra. And you're right. I think that if it's put into your path, Maybe you're more understanding and open of it, but I think it's a basic, it's a basic, it's basic part of humanity. But I also feel like we wouldn't be as passionate about downstream advocacy if it wasn't for Liam. We, I get that, but I would hope. But you'd still be an I advocate would believe for in, in inclusion of this, yes, this, these children, equal right. and adults. I would hope so. I think just having Liam in my life has opened my mind that any difference that I see that I don't know, I can expand my mind to say. Yeah, let, let's include everyone because of, of Liam. Liam's taught me to include. He's taught you that. He, he's taught me that open your mind. If you have if you have an issue about really having someone included, I mean, what that really means, included in your group, in your school, in your, in your life, in the world, you have to sit back and say, what would happen if I had someone from this group in my life at all times as a family member, as a friend? In my life. I think you need to go back to the question of not even just like saying, what if someone was in my life? But when you say, if you have a problem with including people, judgment is based on thinking that you're better than someone. Judgment. Yeah. And nobody's better. We're equal. That's the whole thing about equality. We are equal and we have our place in this little blip of time. And nobody should be able to take that away or tell us. And here's the problem that I have is we've fought this fight for so long. So when that question came to me, I've, ha I've had that question so many times. I mean, up until this last IEP at this wonderful school that I absolutely love. 
every year I had to answer that question as to why. And no parent should have to answer that question. No human. You've got all those answers loaded, ready to go. And <laughs> it's like, like Hamilton. I mean, but that's, ba, a, that's a burden. Yes. It really it is. is. It's not a burden. Well, I don't like hold them with me, but I've learned. I've learned. One, I've learned that I don't have to answer that for you. You have mm-hmm. to answer that for you. You have to answer why you think my child doesn't belong here. You have to answer that. Not me. That's what I have learned. But I've heard the question enough that when someone so adamantly questions your right to be here, it's bigger than just like, I'm not just going to tell you why I think, right? Because they have all these reasons. And honestly, this was a beautiful person that I love, but they had all these reasons, actually not even as we're having the conversation, not even realizing, I don't think what was being said, like, I don't even think they realized that they were talking about a non-inclusive environment, talking about not having an equal education. They weren't, they did, I did mention once that it was a civil right to an education and they said, well, you have the law on your side. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Silently in my brain, I was like, what? Outside, I was like, hmm, that's an interesting thing to say. Also interesting uh, about the devil's advocate part. Yes, they said, I want to be, I'm going to be the devil's advocate here. And I was like, what? Whenever someone says, you know, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here, it means that they have ideas in their head of why they disagree with this, even though maybe on the surface, they never put these ideas out. They're always going to agree because everyone else is, or it just feels right for whatever reason, but they do have concerns in their mind that haven't been, that are justifications for why this idea could be wrong. Do you think they say they want to be the devil's advocate so that way they don't have to take accountability like, for no, what the they dev- say? I'm just going to throw it what the devil would say. This is what say. the devil would say, but yeah. not me. But if you agreed, would they go, mm-hmm? Like, I don't know. If truly someone had devil's advocate ideas in their mind, they were just throwing out there for fun, that's pretty wrong to do to somebody. You, Especially you know when I'm talking about my son's right to an education. Of course. Let me and, just say. Right. But if they truly believed the way you did, they'd have the answers to these devil advocate questions because honestly isn't he talking like institutions isn't that what we like isn't that the same mindset of i think think where we came from one end of the spectrum would yeah that's the far end right but that is where it came from that that's what we're talking about is that change that we're pulling away from and people don't want to let go of that but i think i think a lot of people are okay with kids that are quote-unquote different being on campus possibly but being put into another building on campus altogether away from the general population of kids. And I think that there's a high percentage of people that are okay with that because they see the benefit of their quote unquote neurotypical kids being together and learning in this faster rate in their mind. That their okay. kid's better neurologically than your than these other kids. Yes, that's what the, yes, I know. That's the, the gross underbelly yes. of it all. And that we should be happy that we get that classroom. And We in the, said over and over that the benefits of having a child in your class Having these children in your class way override anything that in your mind that you go, well, maybe my really smart kids being held back. I seriously doubt your really smart kids getting held back. The curriculum is there. You can learn the curriculum. You can go beyond the curriculum. But also we learned like last year when Liam was in the fourth grade class that students actually started to wait for Liam to ask a question so that they could learn and they would just kind of wait because Liam would ask they questions. Didn't we, ask question. They didn't want to ask a question. And I think, well, kids are like you say, Sophia's yeah, in sure. high school and she, it was hard for her to ask her teacher. Kids are afraid to do that, but then they see someone else doing it and it's like, Oh good. Liam's going to ask. And I remember a couple times because 
Liam understood it. He didn't ask a question and there'd be a long pause and then someone would finally ask a question. And, and Liam understood it because he had worked an hour before class on it and then worked on it in class. But other kids don't have the benefit of front loading. And it's tons of, of kids have questions and are at different levels in a classroom yes. in education. Tons. And you know what helps a kid that really totally gets the lesson? What really helps the kid is going to another kid. And helping could, them. Could totally be a, a neurotypical kid. This happens. I, I didn't quite get that one. That's what Sophia that was relying on, actually, yeah, in class, other students. was other students when that helping other her. student helps you, man, that reinforces. I That was the, actually a, a way I would reinforce my own learning and education was I would look in the mirror and try to teach the lesson to myself. It's a great way to reinforce a lesson. And it shows that... We can share with each other. We can help each other. Right. It does. It neutral. It's not co- competitive. Hey, we're all learning here. And, and I'm not even going to go where it's like it shows empathy because it's not. It's like no. It's empathizing. like I'm just no. It's, we're if just living together. If and you're a student who other. gets it, then you learn to help maybe the kid who doesn't really understand. And I'm sometimes, a teammate of yours. Yes. I may need it later. You're going to yes. help me later. And we're not just talking about something like we're talking about kids just helping kids. People just, just helping kids people. In class. And what does that do for society? We learn to help each other all through our lives, and then it's just what we do instead of always being so competitive or feeling that like that sense of lack or, you, you know, or judgment, or if I know it and you don't, I'm better. And also if more than one person doesn't get it, that just helps the other kids who don't understand to not feel so alone. Cause there's a reason that the kid, there's a reason that children don't want to fess up to not knowing what they're doing. I mean, we do it as adults. I don't, Oh, it's so hard. It took me so long as an adult to be able to go, I know people are going to look at me and go, oh, you're slowing the meeting down. They might judge how smart I am or whatever. And finally, I was like, I got to ask. I don't know what I'm doing. And it was so freeing for me as a human to be able to say, I don't get it. I don't understand. Can I ask for help? And that's a whole different thing that I'm trying to get my daughter to learn that it's okay to ask for help. So all of these little things that we learn when we're all in it together, not to mention the fact that people see my son who has Down syndrome to be other than what they thought. Like, oh, Liam is in a reading group. Liam is sitting reading. He loves to read. I can't tell you how many kids at his other school thought he didn't know how to read. But because he's in a class that includes him completely, And when it comes to reading time, they don't shuffle him off or, you know, skip him because maybe some read some words he needs help with. Or he may read the paragraph a bit slower. Every kid knows Liam knows how to read. Their perception of Down syndrome will be more in the vein of the reality of what Down syndrome is. They're going to know. They're going to have an understanding that's real. Those kids grow up helping each other. But what if it was an inclusive classroom? Because when we're talking about neurotypical students, it's not seen as extra to do a little extra to support students. Like with Sophia's teacher, it was expected that she would help students who weren't getting it. It wasn't a burden, something for a special classroom or environment. And and that teacher spent hours, hours on a Friday night hours on a Sunday. And again, this is not a private school. It is a public school. These are public school teachers. We only see it as extra 
when it has a label, a difference written on paper, carrying along a history of belief and wrong thinking. So what if kids just saw us teaching everyone instead of the non-inclusive classrooms where they see teaching everyone as extra and a burden? When we see the need with the neurotypical student, it's just what we do. We need to know, and our kids need to know, that education for everyone is what we do. It's basic. Education is a basic right. So if this helping that is going on in class, if kids saw it as being for everyone, if the ones who got it were helping their peers in an inclusive environment, they would view education as something for everyone equally, not extra. Maybe they'd grow up to be teachers, teachers with the same beliefs. Maybe golden unicorns would be commonplace. We can create a foundation that sees one another for who they are, for who we are, sees each other as equally valuable and learns from our differences. I mean, how many kids in his old school had such the wrong perception of our son? They didn't know our son. They didn't know his ability. They knew his disability by name. And that's what they carry is a misperception. Some kids knew our son. There are a handful of children who knew, who actually knew our son and his ability. But in that conversation on Friday, listening to this person that I love come from the place that I had fought for so long, I was able to see the bigger conversation, bigger than the original question that kind of sucked me in and the need to change someone's mind to validate my son's existence or to let them know what they were actually saying to have that conversation. And like you said, Stephen, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's an exhausting conversation to have. You have to weigh that because sometimes you can get into that conversation. And Yes. But be okay with not. But also time. Like I was that. there to do something else. And it was taking me away from that really great thing that I was there to do. And I and that was in the forefront. Like what do I want to do in this moment? So be okay with whatever decision you make. Right. For the first time probably ever, I was able to just with with peace because I've I think I may have said this before, but I was able to just look at someone and say, you know, this is just a bigger conversation. And in my heart, I was able to just walk away without any judgment or without any anger. And the gift that was given was just understanding really that it's not just closed-minded district people who don't understand. It is something that has been so ingrained that people are so comfortable with presenting this argument. That is the real problem, is that it's so ingrained. It's because it's convenient for them. It's just part of what they know the narrative to be, that they don't even see that it's wrong. They don't even see that it's hurtful or destructive. Or the benefits of if if they changed their thoughts. I think they, they don't change because it's so it works for them so well. This to me seemed more like just the narrative, having lived that narrative their entire life, 
that I'm going to do little finger quotes, these kids belong someplace else, living that and playing those sound bites and all of the things that we probably see, we hear all the time in our IEPs. This is what's been ingrained in them to the point that they don't even understand maybe what they're saying. Like I think if they're I, saying the same thing. Prob- because yeah, but you're when saying, you, when, when you, you pause say, to say understand, uh-huh. I was about to think of the word. They don't even have to think. It, we're kind of saying the same thing. You're saying from the outside, like it's convenient. That's the re- that that is the reason though that it's become so ingrained is because there's been no push to go there. There's yeah, been if no. You're, if it's convenient for you, you're not going to think outside of but what I feel your like box convenient, is. Convenient seems lazy to me. Well, it takes it takes effort to. Okay, think. so you said earlier that if Liam had not been your son, you wouldn't be so open. To mm-hmm. the fact, I think maturing as a human, I would have, but I think Liam has helped me. You grew up in in a non inclusive environment, right? Well, I you know at the time, actually, definitely in the seventies and eighties, uh, I haven't been to lived in Louisiana for a long time, but in New Orleans, it was a pretty segregated place. I I went to school and church with, and my neighborhood was all people that looked like me and. Thought and the, way the private I schools didn't have inclusive classrooms. I went to private schools, and it was no, it was like all same thing. All kids that just looked like you and had your same ideas and stuff, basically. Yeah. So, so it you didn't not a lot of diversity, and that was the seed that planted in you. Sure. So you grow up from being a kid, and you go, oh well, this is this is just how it is, right? And then there's a point in your life where you see the world. I moved to Los Angeles. Come on, how di- so diverse in the city, and you learn. So yeah, maybe. Liam but that's what I'm saying. He's, right, this person but... is not a bad person. No. But it's just that he, the the that's what you call it convenient. I don't think it was convenient for you. It was just the seeds that were planted in you that you don't you can say these words without even thinking there's anything wrong. Yes. And my only point is that it's convenient or it's easy. It's the easy way to continue to be how you were the day you before. You wouldn't know that you needed change though until no. until you had a son. Yeah, and then you made the change. For me, making changes in my life is liberating, and I always want to learn more. I always, I always. But it was eye opening, right? Yes, and such the best way ever. Oh yeah. Well, this person doesn't have that, and the gift given to me in that conversation is to see that person isn't the problem necessarily. It's the seeds that are planted in our society that have been cultivated. And without even knowing, like, it's like, it's like if you have a garden that has weeds, that's just like that saw, that grass that just kind of comes up and you know to pull those, right? But if you have a garden who has those weeds that are actually like little flowers and they have little flowers on them, you don't necessarily recognize that there's weeds growing in your garden if you don't, if you can't see them, if you don't know they're there, if you don't, you don't know to pull them, you don't know to change them, you don't know to, to dig up and recrop. The problem is that people really believe that equality is something that requires extra. I don't think it's extra. I think it's just work smarter, not harder. Like don't spend all your money and time trying to fight my son in your classroom and instead make some photocopies of the notes, give him a pencil and and tell me what the homework is ahead of time so I can front load it. That would be working smarter towards equality than harder towards discrimination. So this whole conversation sat in my heart, just like, like a light bulb, you know, it's an, it's an idea and it's a new understanding, but it can shatter if I drop it, but it was still light. 
I still learned something from this conversation and pondered it. I think I came home and I didn't talk too much about it because honestly talking about it, I just get on that soapbox of like, do I really have to, do I really have to prove to you that my son has a place? And you're talking about it by yourself or with me. And it's like, Like, you're preaching to the choir, right? So you just kind of get yourself riled up. For nothing. For nobody. Right? And Not I, had walked, anybody, I had walked away with peace in my heart. And suddenly I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was having this conversation <laughs> again. Right. Especially after having that beautiful IEP at this school that I love. Right. right. And then the next morning, you told me a beautiful story about Macedonia. It happened this week. The president of North Macedonia found out that a 11-year-old girl with Down syndrome in a school was being bullied, specifically for having Down syndrome. Not just kids, there were parents involved in this bullying situation as well. So the president went to the girl's house and held her hand and walked her to school, the several blocks she had to walk to go to school, knowing that press was going to be there to show support for her, to show his country, and probably didn't realize that it would be a worldwide story, but to show the importance of inclusion and equity. And he's quoted as saying, we're all equal in the society. I came here to give my support and to raise awareness that inclusion is a basic principle. That's amazing leadership. And there it is right there. There is the answer to that question that I was asked just a day beforehand. Do you think that the public school is the place for your child? that these teachers should be forced to do the extra, like the golden unicorns that you can find around the country. But those golden unicorns are the basic principle and characteristic and expectation that we should have. That is the shift I needed. That is the light required. Not the argument to justify the wrongdoing, but an awareness of change necessary and a world where everyone is equal. Love is love, as love is love is love, and it is all you need. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod, and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod, or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. From the top.